0: In 1936, the United States was moving out of the worst economic depression we had ever known. We were stumbling out of the slew of despond and despair. That very year, James Agee and Walter Evans went to the state of Alabama to prepare a verbal and photographic record of a white family of tenant farmers. A.G. and Evans chose three families, the Ricketts, the Gudgers, and the Woods. They were nobodies. They didn't even own the dirt under their fingernails. They scarcely owned the clothing which they wore. They were leaves falling from the trees of life, falling, piling, buried. They were the least of all these. And the book by A.G. and Evans was titled, Let Us Now Praise Famous Men. It was a quote from the 44th chapter of the book of Ecclesiasticus, which is an apocryphal book often included between the Old and the New Testament. Listen to the first 15 verses of the 44th chapter of Ecclesiasticus. Let us now praise famous men and our fathers in their generations. The Lord apportioned to them great glory, his majesty from the beginning. They were those who ruled in their kingdoms and were men renowned for their power, giving counsel by their understanding and proclaiming prophecies. They were leaders of the people in their deliberations and in understanding of learning for the people. They were wise in their words of instruction. There were those who composed musical tunes and set forth verses in writing. And there were rich men furnished with resources living peaceably in their habitations. All these were honored in their generations and they were the glory of their times. There are some of them who have left the name so that men declare their praise. And then there are some who have no memorial, who have perished as though they had not lived. They have become as though they had not been born, and so have their children after them. But they were men of mercy whose righteous deeds have not been forgotten. Their posterity will continue forever and their glory will not be blotted out. Their bodies were buried in peace and their name lives to all generations. Peoples will declare their wisdom and the congregation will proclaim their praises. These were the glory of their times, the famous and the unfamous. And the glory of any time is to be discovered in the persons of that time. We will, of course, bring into a particular time the heritage of our past. We are our heritage, as Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote, Every man is an omnibus in which his ancestors ride. But we are our ancestors plus ourselves. In each age, in each specific time, persons are called on to be the glory of that time. They are called to decide, to interpret, to live and grow in that age, in that present time. The reality of God has always been particularized in history. It has been embodied in persons like Moses and Amos and Jesus and Paul. They were the glory of their times. In Jesus, for example, the light of God shone so brilliantly into the world's darkness that men and women had light enough to see by, light enough to change by, light to live by. He, Jesus, was the glory of his time, but it was a particular time, and that time is now past time. Where is the light now? It was the same Jesus who said to his followers, I am the light of this world. And then he said, You are the light in the world. Let your light shine that men and women might have enough light to see by. It was and it is God becoming real in a particular time, being embodied in particular persons, and those persons became the glory of their times. Truth is particular. It is situation. Carl Jung taught that truth was always relative to a particular situation. To perpetuate a truth that is no longer relevant is a form of idolatry which has an impoverishing and stultifying effect on those who perpetrate that truth. Archbishop William Temple was very active in the ecumenical movement in the mid-30s. He attempted to have dialogue with the German delegates to the World Conference in Edinburgh in 1937. At that time, 1937, the German church was rent with dissension as its official machinery was captured by a pro-Nazi group anxious to keep on good terms with Hitler. Archbishop Temple recorded a conversation in which one of the German delegates asked, Why should you object? Hitler doing for our church in Germany what Henry VIII did for your church in England. Of course, reported the archbishop, if a man in the 20th century claims to be judged by the standards of the 16th century, there's nothing more to be said. Truth is historically particular. And if persons in the 20th century who live in the city of Charlotte wish to be judged by historical literalisms of the first century, there's nothing more to be said. Such willingness comes close to a denial of God's dynamic presence in our own day, living here in our midst. What we are called to is this self-conscious expression of our relationship with the God who is known in Jesus Christ and expressing that in the present time. We are called to keep on becoming ourselves. When Soren Kierkegaard wrote of spiritual healthiness, He identified it as the self by relating itself to its own self and by willing to be itself. It is grounded transparently in the power that constituted it. This, declared Kierkegaard, is the definition of faith. What? The willingness to be the self God created us to be. The willingness to be the self Jesus Christ is reconciling us to be. And to be that self with some courage. That's what it means to be the glory of your time. And my soul, how that is needed in this age. Particular, unique, timely, personally and corporately. Let this church. let this church. Be particular, historically particular, different due to its unique character, due to its unique and particular purpose, not different because we wish to be different. That's nonsense. That's foolishness. But let this body of Christ be willing to embody the Christ on the basis of our own self understanding our own self-consciousness. Let us not substitute uniformity for the pain of pluralism. Let us, all of us, dare to be the glory of our times. If the world has ever needed to see a people living together in love, that time is now. If the world has ever needed to see a people living together in disagreement, that time is now. If the world has ever needed to see a people dedicated to their God through Jesus Christ, that time is now. And to be that glory graciously and humbly, not self-righteously, not arrogantly of such persons, of such a people. Let it be said that their posterity will continue forever and their glory will not be blotted out. Their bodies will be buried in peace and the congregation will continue to proclaim their praise. What is the oldest relationship you have? Is it the one with your parents? or the one with your children, or the one with your spouse? Is it 50 years, or 60 years, or 70 years? What's the oldest institutional relationship you have? If your relationship institutionally is with the Myers Park Baptist Church, and even if you are a charter member, that isn't but 36 years. And is it an expression of relationship with the church more than 2,000 years, or is it a relationship with God? We were loved in Jesus Christ before the foundations of the world, and nothing can ever separate us from that relationship. William Hawking wrote, nothing can have full dignity which has only transitory being." Our dead are a part of a continuing congregation. They live in us. They always will live in us. We are different due to their lives in us. In his book of essays, E.B. White pays tribute to the constancy and dependability of small, unfamiliar rivers. A river, he said, which is practically unknown in the country at large, but is very familiar and essential to a local community. The local community would not be the same without their small, familiar river. And then White wrote of the Naramissic River at the small town of Orland, Maine. This river, he said, received a fine tribute from a line in a poem by a local schoolboy. The schoolboy wrote of the Naramissic River, quote, it flows through Orland every day. Well, the lives of our dead flow through this community every day without them we would not be the same at all in them life and love were particularized and according to the new testament life and love are the only eternal essentials we will ever know Life and love are in us today, embodied in this particular time. Now is the moment for all plain persons to be the glory of their times, by being the people they were created to be, and by allowing the God who has come to be known in Jesus Christ to be channels of sacramental grace through our lives. That's what church is about. And those persons who have been a part of us will always be a part of that on-flowing grace of God. We dedicate ourselves to that today and forever. Amen.